called Snapshots of Jesus. And we're coming out of the book of Luke chapter 15, and we're calling this Lost Boys. Chapter 15 of Luke is like the lost and found chapter in the Bible. And Jesus gives at least three parables, but we want to start with verse 1 and tell you to whom he's talking. Then drew near unto him all the tax collectors and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So the religious leaders had an attitude with Jesus. There's two groups of people here. There's the street people and there's the religious leaders. Okay? Um, so what we have here, the, the, the publicans or the tax collectors were a notorious group of, of loan sharks in a sense. They were Jewish people who worked for Rome collecting taxes. And they were able to use any means necessary to get the tax money. And anything they collected above the taxes, they get to keep, got to keep. Um, the, the apostle Matthew was a tax collector. And y'all remember the stories about Zacchaeus, who was also a tax collector. And so they were hated by the religious leaders, so to speak. And the sinners, the sinners were people like the prostitutes and the street folk and folks who just weren't involved in the religious activities, they were sinners. So when you see publicans and sinners, you talk about people of reputation, uh, people of repute, okay? And so then you have the second group of people were the scribes and, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders. The religious leaders were the high and mighty church folk and who thought that they were better than others because they practiced the religion. You know, we have that today. We have some folks who practice religion and think they're better than the folks who do not practice. So you got these two groups of people. And, and the, the publicans and sinners come to hear what Jesus had to say. The Pharisees and the scribes, they come to see what he had to say so they could um, catch him in a fault. Okay? So when we go to verse 3, look what it says here. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the which was lost until he find it? And when he has found it, he lay it on his shoulders rejoicing. And so Jesus gives this parable about the shepherd and the lost sheep. Right? And he says, if you have a sheep, if you have a, a flock of sheep, and you lose one, you go find that one. Okay? And so, and when you find it, you rejoice. And then he goes on to say, heaven rejoices over one person who repents. Over one person who comes to Christ, heaven rejoices over that. Okay? And then he goes on and tells another parable about the woman who loses a coin. Okay? And so when she loses a coin in her house, she does what you're supposed to do too. You turn on the light, you claim the house until you find the thing that you lost. You ever lose something in your house and you look for it and then you find other stuff? You know, well, maybe your house. But anyhow, so you, you look for it. You turn the lights on, you find it, and when you find it, you rejoice. Okay, and so that's what Jesus is saying in these parables that it's about rejoicing. When, when someone who's been lost or someone who... Um, has been out of the way, and they come to Christ, they repent. When any sinner repents, is rejoicing up in heaven. The Lord rejoices, and the church should be rejoicing too. 
But here's what I want to get to. I want to get to down to um, verse 11, where we talk about the two sons, which is also known as the parable of the prodigal son. The word prodigal means that it's wasteful living. So he's called the prodigal son because he wasted his living. Uh, but look what it says here. Verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said unto his father, Give me the portion of goods that befall me. And he divided unto him his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. So imagine this. Imagine they have two sons and in this culture here, it's outrageous for a son to ask his father for his inheritance. That's what he asked for. He asked for his inheritance. The man is living. He's working there. He's living. And he's asking for his inheritance as if, as if to say, you might as well die and give me what I want. So the young fella, he gets the, the first of all, the father is, is a different kind of father. In that day and in that culture, this would never happen. But you know, Jesus is giving the story. He's telling the parable. And so the father goes in and divides his stuff between the two boys. Now what you have to understand is that the eldest son, the oldest son, gets a double portion of the inheritance. So the younger son gets what's left. So you got the oldest son gets two-thirds, and the younger son gets one-third. Okay? So here's what the man has to do. He just can't write a check for this. He just can't go to the safe and pass out money. For this young fella to get his portion of the inheritance, Pops had to sell something off. He had to sell off a third of his possessions for him to get there. Think about it now. A third of all you have is, is you have to sell it off and give this young fella the money, the goods, so he could do what he wants with it. Okay? So we have here, it says here that when he received it, then he then he left. Now, if this was a screenplay, I you know if I'm writing a screenplay, which I'm not a screenwriter, but if I'm writing a screenplay, you know what I do? I would have him creep out at night with a bag of money and not say goodbye, just take off. But look what it says here. It says that he went and wasted his, he wasted his living. He wasted it with riotous living. Now, that, that doesn't mean much commentary because riotous means he carried on, he acted crazy with his money. You know, later on, his big brother is going to say that he spent his money on prostitutes. But he probably used prostitutes and gambling and showing off and things like that, okay? Let's read further. Verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. 14 says, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want, or lack. <laughs> this, this is not funny. That should be laughing. Dude takes his stuff. He gives his money. He takes it. He wastes it. Right? And then after everything is spent, 
There's a, there's a famine in the land. Okay? There's a famine. A famine means that there's some kind of situation, agricultural situation, where stuff is not growing. Okay? There's a famine in the land. That means there's a shortage. A shortage of food. A shortage of supply. A shortage, probably a shortage of water too. There's a famine in the land. Similar to what we're suffering here in our land, we have this kind of famine in a sense with this COVID-19. It's a type of famine. It's a type of plague upon us. Okay? And we're praying God to get us through this thing safely. So there's a famine in the land and there's no work for the boy. He's, he's broke now. He spent everything because he's not working. He's not investing. He's not using the money wisely. He's not saying, Dad, give me my portion because I have a great idea of an investment I want to make. I want to go in business for myself. No, he's not doing that. He's wasting his stuff. He's partying and wasting his living. So there's a famine in the land, right? And in verse 15 it says, and he went and joined him. Well, sorry, he began being want. Want the, in King James language, want means lack. He began to be in lack. Like there's a lack today of, of certain things that we need. There's a shortage of things. And he began to be in lack. You know the scripture says, and um, prayer we pray, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means I shall not lack. Well, this boy is lack. He got a lot of lack. He's lacking a lot of stuff. And so here we go. So he began to be in want. And this, look what he does. In verse 15, look what he does. And he, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed the swine, to feed the pigs. So here's our situation. He got his money. He's in a far country. He was disconnected from his people. Okay, disconnected from his father, his family, and people he know. He wasted all his money. Everything is spent. There's nothing left. And then there's a famine. See, if there wasn't a famine, he could be, he could, he could rely on generosity of people. Okay? If there wasn't a famine in the land, he could be like those like those um, sojourners and travelers and the Jewish religion and the law states that. Um, you're supposed to, when you harvest your crop, you're supposed to leave some out there for the beggars. You know, he can live like that. But there's a famine, so there's nothing available. And he joins us. He's in such a far country that he's away from the Jewish culture. And he's in such a far country that that man, he gets a job feeding pigs. Jewish boy, kosher. Don't come around pigs. The pigs are disgusting. He's feeding the swine. And it says here that he began to feed the swine in verse 16, and he would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine didn't eat. And here's the key verse, key part of the verse. No man gave unto him. So we need to pause there and talk about that. Here's a guy who is down and out. He's hitting rock bottom now, and nobody's supporting him. He has a habit. Think about the people with habits, you know, alcohol, drugs, um, and other addictions and things like that. And as long as they're being supported, they're going to keep their habit. This man has a bad habit. He's wasteful. He's probably gambling. He's spending money on women and, uh, and on sex and things like that. And he has no support now. Now this says, no man gave unto him. He is so desperate, he's about to eat the pig chow. And he is so desperate because nobody is supporting him. I want to pause here 
and let you know that if you have a loved one that's doing this in some involved in some bad things, you have to say no to them. I'm not gonna allow you to stay here while you smoke. I'm not gonna allow you to stay here while you do the drugs. I'm not gonna allow you to stay here while you're drinking and carrying on and whatever bad practice that he or she is doing. You have to say no to these people. And it's a tough thing for a family member to say no to someone they love. It's a tough thing. I've been there, I've seen it. Right? It's hard. It's hard to say no to your loved one. Okay? But you have to do it. You have to refuse. You have to get to the point where that person has nobody supporting their bad habit. At least not you. Amen? Wherever you are, say amen. You know it's right. But so check this out. So he's at the point, now he's in a far country. He spent all his money. He wasted all his living. There's a famine in the land, and nobody's in a position to help him anyway. He gets a job feeding pigs, which is disgusting. And then it says that nobody supports him. Nobody gave unto him. And at that point, and I don't know how long this takes for people. It takes a long time for most folk. But at this point in the story, it says in verse 17, and when he came to himself, see, here's what's happening, saints. You have, people have to come to themselves. Maybe you had to come to yourself one day. He, it says he came to himself. In other words, he, he, had a, 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 he was a, awakened. He, was, he had this experience where he just realized, that, wait, wait, there's something wrong here. You know, um, he came to himself. He got sober in a moment and said, how many hired servants of my father have been read enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I'm dying of hunger. And my father has servants who are eating better than this. Okay? I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no, long, no more worthy to be called your son, make me as one of the servants. He came to himself, y'all. He said, this is not right. I shouldn't be living like this. I'm bottomed out. I have no help. I have nothing to look, look forward to. But I do have a father. Hey, do recognize that I have a father. I don't deserve to be called his son, but I'm going to go there and, and repent. I'm going to go there and apologize. I'm going to go there and say, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the servants. Give me a job. And this is what people need to have. People need this experience. Folk need that experience where when things are bottomed out, where things are rough, and, and there's no other... There's no other alternative. There's no place to go. We have to understand, and they have to understand, that we have a Father. And Jesus, throughout his ministry, talked, referred to Jehovah God as Father. And when he taught the people, he said, Your Father. He's your Father, which is in heaven. And see, here's the part that I love, because the boy, the young man, is a son. He is a son. He's not just some bum and vagrant and trash collecting guy. He's a son and he always was a son and he always will be a son. He's a disobedient son. He's a lost son but he's a son in, indeed. And he says, I will go to my father 
and tell them I've sinned against heaven and before you. Because all sin is against God. Y'all know that, right? Sin means missing the mark. We said that before. And all sin is against God. So he said, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And so I'm not worthy to call your son anymore. Look at verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. His father was moved. He had feelings for him, right? He was moved with compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now this is in the King James Version, but in the Greek, it means that he kissed him over and over and over again. Okay? The father recognized his son from far off and ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. All right? And look what father does. And the son, verse 21, and the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no more worthy to be called your son. And then the father cuts him off. And the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put on him the ring, put it on him and give him the ring and, and, and on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for my son was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found and they began to be merry. <laughs> the boy came home, repented, hurting, feeling bad and recognizing that he was wrong. You know, there's so many people who, who just blame other folks. Well, if he hadn't done this, I would not have done that. And they want to blame other people for their wrong behavior. You know, I want to justify myself. Everybody's right in their own eyes. And so when I do wrong, I can find a way to justify it. I said, well, I know what's wrong, but here's what happened. It's because she said that, and because he did this, this is what I did. But this boy is not like that. I shouldn't call him a boy. He's a young man. This young man is not like that. He said, it's my fault. I said, I was wrong, and I'm not worthy. He came home like that. And so when he came home like that, Father said, give me a robe, give me a ring, put shoes on his feet, kill the fat calf, the fatted calf, the most valuable one, right? Kill the fatted calf, we're gonna have a barbecue, we're gonna party, because my son who was dead is alive. My son who was lost is found. Death is separation, y'all. Just even when your body is dead, your life is separated from your body. It's separation. And so my son was separated from us, and, he, and he's alive now, he's back. And Pop is celebrating his son. I want you to understand something, that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, um, we go from death to life at that moment. Because we're born in sin and, and shaped in iniquity, and we're born separated. It's not your fault that you were born that way. And you can't blame your parents either, right? It's because of Adam's sin, Father Adam's sin in the garden, and we all became sinners at that point. All right? And so when you're born in sin, you're separated from God. You're separated. This is not one of those religions where because your daddy is saved, you saved. It doesn't work like that. Right? Every individual has to come to a point where he or she has to say yes to the Lord for themselves. All right? You don't have it just because mama has it. And it's not just something that's inherited. Like in other religions, you know, you, the, the Muslim parent could tell the child, you're a Muslim too. 
Okay, that's it. All right, but in Christianity, every individual has to make a choice for Jesus. So when we get back here, and when you make that choice, no matter what your background is, and no matter what you've done, no matter who you are or whom you offended, the Father God who's in heaven, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and our Father will receive you. No matter what. Anybody can be saved just for the asking. Here there's enough power and enough grace to save the whole world. If the whole world came to Jesus, the whole world would be saved, sanctified, and filled with his spirit. So when this young fellow comes back, he doesn't come back. Um, he comes back as what he was when he left. He's a son. When he was in the far country, he was a son. When he was feeding swine, he was a son. He was always a son. The sonship was never broken. What was broken was the fellowship. They're not getting along. Hear what I'm saying. The sonship always remained. He was always a son. Even when he was lost, and when he was arrogant, and when he was disrespectful, when he was disobedient, he was a son the whole time. And what the folks in the church need to understand that sonship remains, despite your behavior, you'll be a son. And here's what happens now. So dad comes, and he has, uh, he receives the boy back, he has a barbecue, they have a party, they start celebrating, they make merry, right? The Bible says a merry heart does good like medicine, okay? And so here's what we have here. Now, they kill the fatty cats, and guess what? <laughs> There's another son. Now, big bro is somewhere working, and he comes home, and he hears the party going on. And folk are partying and carrying on. I imagine folks with red cups holding it in the air, you know, and, and there's music going on. And he's walking in, he's walking in from wherever he's going, and all he hears is boom, 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 boom. You know, that, the bass, all he hears is the bass, right? And he says, somebody's partying. He can smell the barbecue, right? And he comes home and he says, what's going on here? And look what happens. He says, <laughs> in verse 27, Here's the answer. And he said to him, Thy brother is come. And thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. And big broad, verse 28, and he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. He asked him, What's going on with you? So come on now. The, the boy, I keep calling them boys, I'm so sorry. You know? Um, that this man, this man, this son comes home and they're partying. They're cooking out. They're having a good time, right? They probably got the neighbors there and everything, and he's unaware of it. I mean, it's like he didn't get invited almost. So he's there, and, and, and he comes home, and, and he said, what's going on here? What's going on? And so one of the servants said, your brother's home, and your father received him. And he's having a party because he's happy that he's back. And so the young man, the big brother, is angry over this. He's not happy that his little brother's home. Okay? He's not happy that his father, he's not happy for his dad. He's upset. And let's see why he's upset. His father goes out and talks to him. Imagine him just sitting on the stoop. Man, why is in the yard partying? 
Verse 29. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgress I at any time thy commandments, which uh, there's not a son in the world who got to say that. And yet thou never gave me a kid, not even a baby goat, that I might make merry and party with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured his living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf, that special calf, right? And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was fitting that we should make merry and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. One, here's the thing that we have to caution ourselves, saints, as believers and as church folk. We know we have people, we have relatives, we have folks we know who, have, who live in a riotous kind of way. They're prodigals, right? They're out there. And we have some church folk who, back, who went back into the world and acting crazy and doing things that, that are shameful, okay? And when they come back to Christ, we have to be careful to rejoice with them and not have, um, not have jealousy because they're getting a bunch of attention. We're not spoiled children. No, we're not. You may know some, but we're not. We're not spoiled like that. When they come back to Christ, when they come to Christ, for the first time or when they come back to Christ and when they get back in the fellowship with the Lord, they need to get back in the fellowship with us. Hear what I'm saying? When, they, when they're in fellowship with Jesus, they need to be in fellowship with the church folk too. We need to receive them and not be mad at them for the stuff they did and the whole stuff against them. Let me tell you something. I used to work at a, um, a Goodwill Rescue Mission. And one of the missions, one of the um, missions of the rescue mission was to work with men who were recovering from drugs and alcohol and other um, addictive behaviors. And here's the problem that we found back then. Like, these men, they come in and they get what they need and it's highly successful for most of them, right? And they get delivered. But guess who's not delivered? Their loved ones, their family members whom they offended and the folks who they hurt in the past. So while we minister to them, and while they're in recovery, their loved ones are not in recovery. And so these men, they go home, and they have no place to go sometime because their loved ones are not over it yet. And this is like that man here. He's not over what his brother has done. And I don't know if he's done anything to him personally, but what he has done, he has done something to his father, and he wants his father to be upset with him. Remember, dad had to sell off his stuff and give a third of it to the son, to the younger son. And big bro feels like I'm deserving of some recognition. Okay? Because I have behaved myself. I have stayed here with you. I like to go out and do, go out in the world too and do certain things. But I have, I have stayed here with you and he feels like he should give some recognition and should have a special day for himself. But his father explained it to him this way. Your brother was dead and he's alive now. He was lost and he's found. That's why we are celebrating him. We're not just celebrating him. 
which celebrating what the Lord has done for him. And saints of God, believers, we need to celebrate with, uh, with the recovered, those who recovered from sin. No matter what the sin is, we need to celebrate with them. Okay? And here's the thing that the Father we say before celebrates, and heaven celebrates over everyone who repents. To repent means to do like this young man did, to admit that you were wrong, and have a mind, to change your mind, and do things differently. Okay? It means to turn around. I'm going in one direction, and I'm, I repent and go to turn around. I've driven in a car with my wife and gone the wrong way. I had to repent and make a U-turn and go back. Stuff like that. And so when you repent, it's a change of mind, a change of heart. And that's what this man did. And so when someone repents, we should be rejoicing with them. Okay? So here's, here's the thing. Uh, we're going to go over this some more. But for right now, what we want to do is rejoice over the repentant. Rejoice over the ones who are found. And celebrate. We need to celebrate. When we hear about somebody who said yes to the Lord, we should be glad for them. Even if it's somebody who offended you in the past. Even if it's someone who hurt you and, and did something to you and broke your heart. Maybe at some point, when that man, that woman, that person, when they come to Jesus, you need to find a place in your heart to be glad for them. Right? Even if you're not quite over what they did to you, you need to be glad for them that they come to Christ. And we need to be the kind of people that forgives the way the Lord forgives. Okay? So, as you read the chapter, chapter 15, as you look through that, as you see the, the lost and the found, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, um, as you read through those things, you need to understand some stuff. That to find something is worthy of rejoicing. I lost my glasses. I looked for my glasses this morning. I couldn't find them. Oh, my goodness. So I looked around everything, found it underneath the couch, underneath the couch, and I was happy for them, for them right? Because in my mind, I said, I have to get my old glasses. I can do this. I have, how am I going to explain this? How am I going to read? I'm going through all these little things. But I found the glasses, and I was happy. And that's just a small thing. But to find a life, to find an individual, to find a soul, that soul that says yes to the Lord, that's worth rejoicing over and over and over again. We're going to go over this next week. That's all we're going to do for now. And we have to talk some more about this because there's so much in this parable that we need to get out. So we want to thank you for your um, attention and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we're so grateful. Lord, we thank you for you found us. We who were lost in sin and shame and degradation. And we, we thought we found you, but you actually found us. And we thank you for receiving us, despite our behavior, despite our attitude, despite all that we've done in the past. We are so grateful for you today, Lord. And we thank you for all that Jesus Christ has done, how he died for us on Calvary, and as he paid for our sins through his own life. We are hopeful that you are satisfied with the way we are living, yet we stand before you in mercy, in your mercy and grace, because we can't live without it. We thank you for these things even now. We thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. Thank you so much. And um, we look forward to going over this again next time. For those to whom, to whom it, um, it's concerned, Bible study is on Wednesday night. We're studying in the book of 
Philippians. We're in Philippians chapter 2. You go on our website and you can get the, um, the conference call phone number and the code. God bless you. Thank you so much.